0: Welcome to Raw Female, a podcast that offers an unfiltered look at women in midlife. We're your hosts, Chris and Allie. So, welcome back to the second part of our interview with pelvic health physical therapist, Dr. Sarah Tanza. So, in our earlier episode, we learned all about what exactly your pelvic floor is and what can go wrong. We learned how to get healthy down there. And today we're going to continue that chat talking about what an exam is like getting to the nitty gritty on prolapse and more. So when you do a first go around with a patient, what are you doing the first go around to evaluate that person?
1: Yeah, really good question. So it definitely starts with like a thorough intake form. So asking them about like, what's the main issue they're seeing me for, but also asking them things like that may not have thought of like, are you leaking urine when you put your key in the door? Because a lot of my patients, they say, Oh my gosh, I'm doing that. No one's ever asked me that. Or are you having pain with sex? Are you feeling heaviness? you know, in your vagina or your anus. And so sometimes I'll ask them these questions and they've never thought about some of those things. And they're like, oh, that's like a name for that feeling I've had my whole life, right? And so I think mean, that's really nice because it gets people kind of thinking. And then when you go, when you come to me or to your local public professional therapist, It's, you know, it's not just, like I said, just about pelvic floor. So you're coming in, we're having a conversation about like what's going on, a lot about your medical history, because that really can impact it. You know, anything that's been painful to you, because a lot of times, you know, for example, low back pain can be really linked with like pelvic floor dysfunction or hip pain. And so sometimes it's really important to know about some of those other things abdominal surgeries also can be really linked as well and so talking a lot about that and then we do a lot of things that quote the normal physical therapist might do walking you know evaluating your pelvis seeing if you have any asymmetries or asymmetries in your entire body watching you squat watching you stand on one leg watching you go through a bunch of different like abdominal maneuvers maybe testing different muscle groups right feeling muscles feeling range of motion in joints seeing if like maybe one hip is stiffer than the other for example that can play in if one hip is weaker than the other. And then as far as that internal pelvic floor work, we, first of all, I always like to say pelvic floor physical therapy can be really successful without doing any internal work whatsoever. And so if that's a barrier to anyone who's listening, going to seek pelvic floor physical therapy, it is okay. You can tell your pelvic floor physical therapist, I am not interested in in internal work, either on the first session or forever, right? And that is 100% fine. We have a lot of patients that are coming to us with a history of sexual trauma, medical trauma, all of those things. In fact, we have a lot of patients that come into pelvic floor physical therapy to help work through that trauma, which is awesome. So we're very respectful of that. We also, like I said, virtual visits are huge now since COVID, you know, big silver lining there. And so a lot of this is, you know, us watching people on camera, right? And then talking them through a self-evaluation of their pelvic floor and they're off camera. They don't have to have their genitals be exposed at all, which is really awesome. But for the internal part of in pelvic floor physical therapy, um, we have gloves, we have lubricant, we have consent, all the good stuff. And what we'll, we'll do is just like the external, we're testing different muscles, right? We're saying, hey, does it hurt if I touch here? Look at the right side. Look at the left side. Whoa, it's, they're different. Did you know that? Isn't that cool? Look at this scar. Does it hurt when I touch this? And then we're testing the different you know, muscle layers, seeing if people can contract their pelvic floor, relax it, if they can do that in conjunction with movement, all of that sort of thing. In some patients' cases, we do rectal treatment as well, especially if it is some type of an issue that's involving um, more of the anus, but not in all cases. And again, a lot of this is completely with consent. It's not something that um, patients have to do. Exactly. And when you get patients that you
2: either diagnose as having a prolapse issue or that come Mm -hmm. to you because they have a prolapse issue, Mm -hmm. can you talk about what kind of guidance you give them in terms of? how much they can accomplish in therapy and physical therapy with you versus is surgery something that they're going to need?
1: So such a good question. And prolapse is so, so common, like we said. Um, So the really good news is if you have prolapse, let's just say you are for sure going to need surgery. The really cool thing about prolapse, pelvic floor physical therapy is that it almost is like prehab, right? You can think of that person who they tear their ACL skiing, right? But they can't get into the surgeon for their actual ACL repair for a month. They go to physical therapy first to like learn all the good exercises, right? And so then once they're out of surgery, they're ahead on their recovery. So that's awesome. So I recommend that everybody just at least tries pelvic floor physical therapy just so they get some of that kind of prehab work done. A lot of times with pelvic organ prolapse, the big thing is symptoms. And so, you know, we go through a whole grading system to grade how severe prolapse is, right? And with pelvic floor physical therapy, sometimes we can't change the actual grade of the severity, or maybe we just knock it down like one grade, for example, but we can eliminate the person's symptoms, And that's the most important part. It's like, you know, it's kind of for people who have had a baby and like you have stretch marks on your stomach, but it's not like those stretch marks physically make you not be able to be as strong as you want to be, right? Maybe you don't like how they look a little bit, but that's, that's, that's it, right? Prolapse can be the same way where it can be like, and you might not like how it looks or how it feels with when you touch it with your finger. But when you go through daily life, you don't really feel that heaviness anymore and it's not impacting you, whatever right? Like, I I recommend my patients um, to consult with their doctors and maybe even get a second opinion with a different surgeon as well, like more than one possibly, uh, and see if they feel like their symptoms could be helped by that. There's also things called a pessary. And a pessary is something that they can go to their local gynecologist who or their urogynecologist. They can get fitted for a pessary. And what it is, is it's kind of like a sports bra for the vagina, right? It's, you know, a lot of them look like little rings, possibly almost like an old school diaphragm that can go inside the vaginal canal and almost hold things up, right? Holding up the bladder, holding up the rectum and giving a little bit more support. And so sometimes people can just manage their symptoms just using a pessary. Like I have patients where they put a pessary in only for exercise, for example, and then because that's where they had their symptoms and then they don't have the rest of the day. I have some patients who have pessaries in all the time. They used to be thought of as something that like only older patients get like, you know, elderly patients. And now we're saying, no, why would we not want a sports bra for our vagina? That sounds lovely. Another really big thing that you can do for prolapse besides just all the pelvic floor work, I mentioned that like the legs are super important, right? And the breath is super important. So for that person who's having symptoms, they can notice how much they're holding their breath. Uh, I bet they're holding their breath a lot when they're lifting right? And so you can picture if you're holding your breath and then lifting, that pressure is going to go somewhere. A lot of times it's going to go out the bottom, right? So even that person can maybe exhale before and during lifting, right? That's great. That's a a great technique that was popularized by one of the amazing pioneers in our field, Julie Weeb, who talks a lot about the idea of blow before you go and making sure to unload that pelvic floor, right? Before you are lifting. So that's great for our patients with prolapse. And then also those patients too working on their leg strength because a lot of times I get that patient into a squat with their, you know, tail untucked and kind of sticking their butt out behind them and they're down low. And I tell them to let go of their belly and let go of their butt and their legs just start shaking because they're super weak, right? So if you don't have enough leg strength to help you lifting or going upstairs or whatever, that force is going to, again, go somewhere. If it can't go to your legs and have your legs really absorb that force, it goes into the pelvic floor. So I would say my prolapse patients, every single one is on some type of a leg strengthening or hip strengthening program.
2: So Sarah, what can actually make prolapse worse?
1: You know, one of the things that I've found that's across the board with prolapse, especially with somebody where their prolapse feels worse on one day, better on the next day, is constipation. So constipation is huge with prolapse. And I'm not just talking about just the straining aspect, but even someone who they're only having a bowel movement every other day. So you can think about like a really full digestive system, right? That's weight, right? That's weight on top of the body. And so for that patient with prolapse, really taking a look at are they having like one to two bowel movements a day? Are they, you know, softer in consistency and complete inconsistency? Because if they're, you know, having a lot of stuff in their gut that could weigh down their pelvic floor. And then if they're having harder stools, that might lead to more straining. And that straining actually could cause the prolapse to be more symptomatic, like ak feel heavier on one day than the other. So that would be a huge, huge thing. If someone's still having a menstrual cycle, sometimes like before they get their period, it might be you know a little bit more apparent as well because of the, the heaviness of the uterus filled with blood. Also, I've even found that when people aren't getting as much sleep at night, that can be a big thing. So a night where they sleep worse compared to a night when they sleep better, sometimes that can affect your symptoms as well.
2: I did have a question because we were listing all the things that, people come to you with what about people who aren't experiencing any pelvic health symptoms right now what does a you know a daily monthly yearly optimal routine look like for you
1: yeah I would recommend if you're not having any issues right now, but you do have a pelvic floor physical therapist in your area, and especially, let's just say you are approaching menopause, for example, or you have had a kid, or really, like I said, at any point in your life, go. I really recommend just going in and say, hey, I'm doing okay right now. I don't have any symptoms, but I know pelvic health is really important. I would love a baseline assessment to just see how I am right now to see if there are any things that I can work on to prevent issues in the future. Because I would say nine times out of 10, they're going to find something else. And so it's nice because sometimes you can catch some of those weaknesses before they cause issues. And so, for example, before we know that a lot of times postmenopausally with like a drop in estrogen, we have like weakening and thinning of muscles. And so maybe there was something that like before you go through menopause, when you have, you know, a little bit more estrogen on your side, it's been able to mask that weakness, right? A little bit more, but then you go through menopause and now it, it really shows, it, it shows up, right? A lot of times going to pelvic floor physical therapy can help kind of catch those things before they become issues. And so for a lot of my patients, you know, maybe I'm seeing them even from something else and they say, hey, I'm curious, can I just, can we do a pelvic floor check at some point? And I'm like, oh, definitely. And we'll check and we find stuff sometimes. And then also for patients, you know, I I work with a bunch of runners in particular is one of the the groups I love to work with. And for example, these runners with these high hamstring pain or deep hip pain, a lot of times we will find some type of pelvic floor dysfunction on the side of that injury. And so sometimes the root of that injury might be a pelvic floor muscle issue rather than a hip issue, for example.
2: I think the thing about pelvic health is it's this combination of Super important and super. I, I mean, I'm not going to say traumatic for women, but it's a, it's an issue for women, and equally, it's taboo. And this fact that these something so important but so stigmatized. Allie, you have a lot of friends that are 50 and 60, Mm -hmm. and you're, and you said, "Oh, my friends, no, no one's talking to me about this." I happen to have a lot of friends that are. Mm. So what is going on here?
1: I think that just speaking to like, why, like, you know, why is this not being, why is this not being addressed? Right. And, I think the reason why it's, it's not is because yeah, like this area is so stigmatized, but we need to start thinking about it like a group of muscles, like you're saying, and that every single person, if they have a total hip or, uh, you know, tear their ACL, they're going to get around to physical therapy. And so in, in my opinion, people should be getting the same thing. Definitely after, I mean, I think when, when you're pregnant, I think it would be awesome. In my perfect world is before someone is even pregnant when they're pregnant after childbirth, after any sort of gynecological surgery, right? So, after a hysterectomy, after any type of a bladder surgery, you know, I treat a lot of our patients in the trans community. So, our gender affirmation surgeries, if you have penises, things like prostate surgeries, all of these things are really, really, really important. And then I would say, before somebody goes through menopause in that perimenopausal time, great time. And then, really, once they've gone through menopause, and so, those are kind of like my if people could come at those timelines the same way we see our dentist twice a year. Hey, go see a pelvic floor physical therapist six times in your lifetime, right? It's not like twice a year. That'd be great. And then, on top of that, if they're having any issues, so if they're having any pelvic pain of any kind, tailbone pain, pubic bone pain, SI pain, pain with sex, any of the leaking we talked about, any of the heaviness in the pelvic floor, those are all times that'd be great to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. As physical therapists, as doctors of physical therapy, you know, part of our training is in differential diagnosis. And so when we see things that are big red flags of this needs a, a medical doctor, we refer out and, you know, we are really tight with the medical doctors in our community and have great relationships. So it's really easy for us to refer to, hey, that go to that person, go to that person. So just know that, you know, it's not like we're just seeing you in isolation. Don't you that's feel great.
0: like a lot of this stems from our health care just for women in general? I just, you know, I, no, everybody step aside. We need to start demanding stuff for our own health care. Come on.
1: Exactly. And that's why, you know, you the great thing about direct access now in California, at least in a lot of other states, is you can do that. You can just go to your local public floor physical therapist and then even, you know, you can even tell your doctor, hey, I'm going to my local public floor physical therapist and they're really helping me with that. And educating them as well, because, you know, doctors, I think sometimes they get this really bad rap, but like, in part, they, a lot of them got into those professions, they really do want to help people and a lot of them just haven't been educated in the fact that this is out there. And I know all the physicians in town that I've met, and I'm just so grateful because they say, I didn't know this existed. And once they know that too, then they can help educate. And they're stoked. They're so excited to find that information out because they really do want to truly help people. They just might not be educated either because there's not a lot of time for it, unfortunately. Yeah, we need to reboot. We need to reimagine
0: our healthcare in general, I think, as a bigger play.
1: And we all need to take responsibility for helping our sisters, our mothers, our friends learn more and destigmatizing it. You know, which you all are doing with your podcast, and we can all do with our friends by having those brave conversations of, "Hey, I went to pelvic physical therapist. It wasn't scary. It was actually super fun, and I learned this, this, and this." You know?
0: Can I ask the obvious, which we haven't gotten to yet, yes. which is insurance? Like, because we've talked a lot about. Your doctor and blah blah. So where are where is pelvic health covered? Is it covered? Do you have to pay out of pocket? What should the audience know about that?
1: Yeah, really, really good question. So it is physical therapy. And so if your if your insurance covers physical therapy, then a lot of times you can have it covered to some extent. And so this is, you know, with big asterisk next to it. There is some places, some some physical therapy offices that, you know, take insurance that have pelvic floor physical therapists on staff at their office. And so you can call your local pelvic your local physical therapy office and say, hey, do you have a, a pelvic floor physical therapist. And and if they say yes, then you say awesome, and you can you know specify. Hey, is it really a pelvic floor physical therapist who does internal work? Those are some good things to say to make sure it's not somebody who's just kind of marketing themselves as doing pelvic floor but not, doesn't have the training for pelvic floor. You also can go to pelvic floor physical therapists like my specialty practice that is quote out of network with insurance, which means that I don't directly bill insurance, but. I and a lot of my colleagues who would do the same thing, we have the capacity to do something called super bills. So basically, you can submit that to your insurance. And if your insurance, quote, pays for out-of-network physical therapy coverage, you can get it covered that way. So a lot of times there are a couple more hoops to jump through if you're going to an out-of-network provider. And the reason why so many of us switched over to an out-of-network model is because we were working in places that were just taking insurance just like, you know, a normal knee, a normal hip and whatever, and we found that, you know, 20 minutes with a patient wasn't really enough time for us to address all of these issues. Because as we, you, we've talked about, it's very complicated. And a lot of times it involves addressing something like hip strength as well, or treating something in the actual pelvic bones or pelvic muscles, right? And then also giving exercises and then watching someone move and giving, you know, tips for lifting, for example, And so a lot of that's really hard to be done in a session where you meet somebody and you basically say, take your pants off. Let's just check your pelvic floor out. It doesn't allow you to zoom out and see the big picture. And so in my practice, it was really important to me to have a practice model where I could have at least an hour one-on-one with just myself and a patient without having any aids and the other things you might find at traditional physical therapy. So it is something a lot of us are working on is making it more accessible though. Right. I feel like, do you feel like we need to
0: reverse engineer our healthcare in some way, like when we go into a gyno or go into our doctor, and I said, like, I have a friend who has painful sex, and they've never once said, Oh, we wanted you to go to a pelvic floor specialist. I think you have to go in. And start asking for this stuff now.
1: Yeah, the nice thing is, is like in California, for example, it's not this in every state, but in California, we have what's called direct access and in physical therapy. So the really nice thing is, is patients don't even need to have a prescription to come and see us at least the first time. And so the nice thing is, is you can just look up a pillow for physical therapist in your area and a lot of times just bypass that.
0: So where can our listeners find out more information about pelvic floor health? Oh, is it Instagram, your website, where, where should they be going at this point? Yeah,
1: you can go to pelvicpotential.com. That's my website. It talks about all the conditions I treat. And, you know, it does link to book appointments as well, because I do see people in person here in Santa Cruz. So plan a vacation. It's beautiful once it's safe to do so. And um, virtually, which is, like I said, it's just been a big silver lining of COVID is, you know, being able to see people virtually. And it's been so effective. It blew my mind. I was so against virtual treatment before COVID. You, I, I'm, I'm saying it now. I was, I didn't think it would work. And then it really forced us to try. And it has blown my mind how effective it is. And a lot of times even I'll see people virtually the first time and then they'll come in after the first appointment. And it's been really awesome. It's had them actually explore their pelvic floor in this new way and really gain ownership of it. Because it's not like we can, I mean, we can look at our pelvic floor in a mirror, kind of, but we can't see all the things that are going along because a lot of it's so internal. And so by them reaching around, touching different places as I guide people through a self-evaluation, they learn things about their body. And then when they're doing different types of contraction and strengthening work, they can actually just put a finger there and feel, oh, am I doing that the way we did with Sarah or not? And that's really awesome. And so with that, I mean, back to the other things I'm going to be offering in the near future. I'm, I'm wrapping up the edits for my online program. And that online program, it literally was born out of COVID. So we can, I can thank COVID forever for inspiring this. And it was born out of those virtual treatments because I saw how effective it was when people put their fingers on different places in their vaginal opening and did contractions, right? And so the, my whole online program is going to talk people through doing strengthening exercises with your hands in different places on your pelvic floor muscles in a bunch of different really functional positions. So I'm super excited. And I will, um, I'll I'll, talk about that on my Instagram once it is launched. And we'll put a um, link to my mailing list in the show notes for people to find out more about that as well.
0: We're, we got this one big question at the end, which I just was really, okay. I'd like to guess at what you're going to say, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know you well enough, but I can kind of guess. Okay. okay. We want to know what product or service or something, it doesn't even have to be something you buy, that you can't live without in your life, something that brings you joy or you get some big feedback loop that's happening with you right now? What What is that thing?
1: Well, outside of my kiddos that I love so much, I would say it's nature. I think it's things that bring me back to a calm nervous system like we talked about. I mean, I think that one of my big things I do for myself as a practitioner is to try to regulate my own nervous system because then I can have my mind be as clear as possible to work with my patients, Right. And then I find that as, you know, a mom, as a wife, as a friend, all those things, I can respond better if I respond from a place of a little bit more calm. So I think nature is a big one for to help bring me back to a, a calm nervous system. So here in Santa Cruz, running by the beach, running in the redwoods, taking that time. I love yoga. I love uh, do yoga with my friend and amazing colleague, um, Tiana Barletta, I can link her daily yoga practice in your guys' show notes. It's amazing. And I, I think just having movement, having breath and um, doing things that bring you joy and bring you progress. And so for me, that is treating my patients. It's being with my loved ones and being in nature.
2: I love that answer. That made me feel so awesome. That feels good, that answer. Oh my gosh. Sarah, thank you so
1: much for coming on
2: the show. Thank you. It was so fun. I am
1: just so grateful to have the time with you both today. We'll see you next time. Bye.
0: Okay, thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at rawfemalepodcast and join our email list at rawfemale.com. See you next week.